Doris Wope has what I would call a quiet warrior spirit. She's a lovely person and she just wants to help people. And she's sharing her story to help others. She's gone through some incredibly difficult things dealing with Guillain-Barre. Um, it's a really serious neurological condition that can impair the body, can cause paralysis. The good news is usually folks do recover, but it can take a while. She's been fighting this battle for years. She's getting better and better every day, and her story is so inspirational. I think you're going to love it. Good morning, Laura. How are you today? Good morning, Alicia. I'm doing well. Thank you. Awesome. I have a couple questions for you. All right. That um, un good. Unrelated to the topic we're going to discuss. So one is, what are three fun facts about you? You know, I like to cook. I like to travel. And I like to horseback ride, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Where's your favorite place you've traveled to? I like the beach, and so I guess the the Bahamas is one of my favorite beaches. That or Myrtle Beach are, like, my favorite beaches that I've been to. What do you like about those beaches? I just like the ocean and the sound and the wind and breeze in your hair. Yeah, ocean lapping on the beach and, yeah. It sounds so relaxing. It, it, I I find the beach very relaxing. Um, yeah, cool. Very very much my peaceful place of finding serenity. Though the mountains are great too. So, but I will definitely find a beach in the mountains too. So, yeah, that's awesome. That beach yeah. is a common theme for you. Yes. And then horseback riding. Tell me a little bit about that. I just have always loved horses and they're just another piece of nature to me that I just like their smell and their movements and their, how they flow and their strength, I guess, is another thing that, you know, horses are just so strong. And they also have a piece of them that is very grounding, I guess, and so for me, I can connect with just that whole nature or like groundedness and centered. Like it's just a calming thing, I guess, to be around horses. Yeah, it really is. I just went to a wellness farm a few weeks ago that it used to be an equine therapy farm, like psychotherapy. So folks could do their counseling therapy with in collaboration with the horses and they're going to continue to to do some of that there, but yeah, I mean, I can see the value of that in so many different ways. Yeah. And just being out on the open range and riding in nature and so many things that you can see and do and on a horse that you can't on, on a vehicle or I know a lot of people like to like ATV, but there's just not that peace and serenity when you have that motor running, I guess. So just having the, the, you know, the calmness and quiet of nature out on a horse is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm picturing it as you're talking about, it. I'm like, yeah, that, that is a big 
difference. Like, yes, an ATV might be able to get you there, but it's it's got the noise, it's got the, the smell of the engine. And with the horse, it's just you and nature. Just you and nature. It's just being out there on riding and seeing all the things and mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's been a it's been a bit since I've been out on one, but I hope to do that soon. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So Laura, one thing I was thinking before we met today was that a lot of people maybe don't aren't familiar with or don't really know a lot about Guillaume And I always thought it was Guillaume And I just looked it up and I'm like, I've been saying it wrong all these years. Guillaume is what Mayo Clinic says. Is that is that your understanding too? Um, It's pretty much whatever you understand the word to come out. Yeah, I mean, from, it's French. From, so it's yeah, like from doctors gets... to, you know, everybody, it's kind of, um, I think of, um, of course, I probably, this is what made me think of it is Gilligan's Island. So it's Guillain-Barre, you know, like kind of like that. Yeah. So, um. That's how I always have put it in my head is kind of like go yeah. again. <laughs> okay. And yeah, so. when you, when you look at how it's spelled, it's like, I can see that it's got the N in there. Okay. So I'm just going to read what Mayo Clinic says about it. This is a little background for folks that maybe aren't familiar. Sounds so good. it's a rare disorder where the body's immune system attacks the nerves. The first symptoms are weakness and tingling in the hands and feet then the sensations quickly spread, eventually paralyzing the whole body um, in its most severe form. It's a medical emergency. And I will say I did work with a gentleman who was, he was in the early stages. So he knew what it was. They diagnosed it pretty quickly, which was good, but it was just really interesting. And like, you know, you just really feel, feel for that person knowing what's ahead of them. And it's, I mean, the good news is most people do recover from Guillain-Barre, so, you know, if you get diagnosed early, it's just kind of a weird thing where you're like, okay, it's going to get really, really bad and I might need machines to help me breathe even, and then it's going to get better and I'm going to come out of it. But it's, it's not a quick process. Um, and I know it's different for everybody and Mayo Clinic says it can take years to recover. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that double-edged piece of it where it's a very dramatic, huge event and the body can recover from it. So I'm really excited to talk to you and hear what your experience has been like with it. Cause again, everybody's I'm sure is, is quite different. Um, so maybe you can tell me a little bit about what your life was like for you before Gian Giabre was even on your radar. Um, I was, uh, or I am a single mom of two kids. Um, my kids were in, my daughter had just graduated from high school and was getting ready to go off to college that summer. And my son, he was playing baseball. He, he's been playing baseball since he was, you know, like six years old. And so he was in baseball and they were in a state tournament um, that, that week as well. What I was, I was remodeling my kitchen that summer. Um, like I had taken all the cabinet doors off and sanding them and painting them and doing all of the, the things. So yeah, I was busy mom just getting my daughter ready for college, remodeling my kitchen, 
and my son was only 15. So he was like in the process of learning process of um, driving. So we were, yeah, we were driving too. And um, yeah, before I got really sick, I, and for me, it took me like two weeks. I, I started, oh, my um, foot was kind of numb and, you know, I was just busy and was going, I got, I got stuff to do. I got to keep going and doing and get this stuff accomplished. And I was a speech language pathology assistant in the school district. So I was also on summer break. You had a very full plate as parents do. You were just like going full force in all the different directions. And there were these little things happening in your body and you're like, huh, that's kind of weird, but it wasn't enough to like stop you at that point. No. Um, and I was kind of having this, um, heart thing. So I had been to the doctor and, um, had told her that I was feeling off. And, um, so, you know, it was just kind of that, um, I knew that I felt like there was something off and I, you know, was kind of doing the check-in with the doctor and, you know, something's not right. And pretty much was, oh, maybe just have a virus or maybe you just, you know, are doing too much. <laughs> um, I, well, I'm a single mom. I gotta, there's just things that have to be done. And yeah, so, um, exactly. Yeah. And this so, was in 2018. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Okay. And, All right. And so those are your first inklings were, was the, the heart issue you're experiencing related to this or was that something different? We're not really sure if it was part of the whole thing because they they're not really sure what caused my my gambare. Okay. Um there's so many things and symptoms it could like I didn't have like the flu or something like that. I I just um I just did not feel 100%. I didn't feel myself. That's kind of where I was at with uh, you know, like I didn't have any incident that they can correlate that I had. So there, there maybe just, I had some, a virus and. And that kind of set it off. They think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What, if you don't mind sharing, what were your heart issues that you were experiencing? I would just feel like I would have this episode in of. I feel like I run a 5k in about 30 seconds. Wow. And so I just, I would be out of breath and my um, head would get really um, fuzzy. And I just felt like I had just run a 5k in about, and it happened for about 30 seconds. There was no indication of like, no day, no time, no, I ate something. It, it just would randomly happen periodically. No pattern, just kind of no unpredictable. Pattern. Okay. Yeah. 
And then so I wore a heart monitor for two, for example, I wore a heart monitor for two weeks. Nothing came up on it. It was normal. Yeah. Everything was normal. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, okay. like I did all of the things to, yeah. like, and not until I was in the hospital, did they actually see it happen on a heart monitor. What did they, they see heart- at that point that was happening? My heart rate was like 220, and oh, wow. my blood pressure was 240 over 198. Oh, my gosh. Or something like that. It was like crazy bizarre. And so many people started running into my room, and yes. it, was, it was crazy. And That's like an all-hands-on-deck sort of situation. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing there was a, a, pit, a part in between the the first symptoms you had like the numbness i think you said it was in your leg mm-hmm. and then you were having these these like sudden episodes that you were checking out with cardiology and then you were in the hospital what happened in between there well the hard things were um earlier in the summer and so i had you know been working on that and i had just been feeling very tired over the last probably six months before that, just super tired. And then that summer, it was in, let's see, in mid-July, the t- the two weeks before I actually was in the hospital, got admitted into the hospital, um, it just the continual um, numbness of my legs. And like it took my son to baseball one day and I like there's I had two steps going out to the garage and like I missed the like stairs I just fell then it just gradually kept getting where um I just kept feeling weaker and I had this pain in my back that literally took my breath away I couldn't I tried breathing exercises and grounding exercises and all of the things that like that that I was just like, oh my gosh, this pain in my back is kept getting worse and worse. And I was going to the chiropractor and doing acupuncture and, and I was probably taking a lot of Advil and Tylenol and things like that, doing the rubs and creams that had pain relief in it. All of you the were trying things. everything. You were doing all trying things. everything to, cause I thought it just, I thought I just tweaked my back because I was remodeling my kitchen, you know, I'm scooching around on the floor, flipping things around, doing all of this remodeling my kitchen. So it didn't even occur to me that there was really anything other than, oh, I just tweaked something in my back because I'm doing all of this remodeling of my kitchen. And so like it didn't, at that time, it didn't even occur to me that there was something else going on of you could kind of explain away some of that stuff at that point yeah fatigue the pain and then what led you to end up being admitted I went to the chiropractor and he had took an x-ray to see if I had like pinched a nerve or a disc or something in my back and all of that came back and he took this little wheel with like spiky things on it and was running it up and down my legs. And he was like, do you feel that? I was like, no, I didn't feel that. 
Oh, wow. And he goes, do you need to go to the emergency room? Because I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel these little spiky things. Oh, that, gosh. Yeah. Things yeah. had escalated by that point. Yeah. Sounds like. uh, by then it was, yeah. Okay. Now, the next part I think can be traumatic for people, and I don't want you to feel like you need to share any more than you're comfortable. Um, so from here, just whatever parts of your story going through this, feel free to share, and then we'll move on to um, kind of your recovery process. Okay. Um, so I was admitted in at um, Medical Center of the Rockies. And um, because in the little town, I lived in Fort Morgan at that time, and um, they did not have the capacity to treat anything. Um, and so they sent me to Medical Center of the Rockies. And so I stay, I was there for um, 28 days. And I was still able to, the first 10 days, I was still able to use my hands, be on my phone, you know, call people, tell them what was kind of going on. Um, in the first five days, um, it took them five days to diagnose, even though the neurologist the first night was, he's like, I'm pretty sure this is what you have, but they had to run all their tests and all of that. I was at or Medical Center of the Rockies for 28 days. Then I got moved to a nursing facility, rehabilitation center, but it was a nursing home. Um, and I spent 88 days there with very minimal rehabilitation. If they had time, they came in and moved you know, my legs and arms and things like that. Otherwise it was just care, mostly care because at that time I was completely paralyzed from the neck down. Um, Could you I speak and breathe independently at that point or throughout? I did. I was very grateful and lucky that I did not have to be on a vent. I was on oxygen for about two weeks I guess to go back to um, MCR was I had five days of IVIG, which is their go-to treatment. And again, I did not respond. It still was continuing to ascend up my body. And um, so then I did five treatments of plasmapheresis. I did two treatments and then every other day for the rest of them. So it was on oxygen for two weeks, but then I um, independently had breathing function. It was not, I mean, I did breathing exercises as well. Like I didn't, it wasn't just back to normal breathing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um. so they, yeah, they had me do breathing exercises and things like that to keep that response going well and then yeah so then I went to the nursing facility for 89 days uh, I was there and that was just 
That was a very interesting experience. There was a number of situations that happened there. We just got to a point, there's too many situations happening that were uh, not working for us or for me. And so my mom and I, well, my mom, because I couldn't do anything, I couldn't use my phone or whatever. I was just like, get me out of here. (laughs) And we applied to go to Craig Rehabilitation Hospital in Denver and was accepted there. And so then I went to Craig for another um, 90 days. Okay. And what, how was that experience different than what you were experiencing? Craig was awesome. I love that facility. They, the first day I was there, the occupational therapist came in and she's like, you're going to feed yourself. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't picked up a fork in, or for six months. So or wow. not six months, three months. Um, and you know, it was like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to do this? I can't hardly, you know, I couldn't hardly pick up my arm, let alone like, oh my gosh, I have to feed myself. And yeah, so like five bites took, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. Cause it was like, oh my gosh. So that was the good part about going to Craig is we called them classes. So Every day from, I don't know, 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock, I went to a class, which was some kind of therapy. So it was either walking on the machines or occupational things of, you know, like doing feeding or eventually I learned how to like comb my hair and brush my teeth and do all of those things by myself again. Then we had had physical therapy to, you know, redo coordination and things like that. And then we had also like dry needling and massage and things like that. Those were all things that Craig had set up for us to incorporate in your schedule as as well as like counseling and things groups we so we met with other people at the time so because Gambare is so rare there's generally not many people so as a quadriplegic because that's what I was classified as when I first started this journey I couldn't move so I was in that category and group of people and however the time when I was at Craig, there were six other people that had Guillain-Barre. Wow. How did that feel to be around people who kind of got it, what you were going through? It was pretty cool. We met as a group and um, we had people like one person that it only affected his legs. So he was like on the almost walking recovery part. We also had one person he came in he was completely paralyzed for like two weeks and then his resolved so he was walking but by the time he left so he was admitted and then he was released he was released even before I was so and then a dear friend of mine that I really connected with he was on a ventilator so 
when I first met him before I left, he had just gotten his um, breathing apparatus. So he still had the trach in, but he still was having a hard time. They were doing speech therapy. And so Mm -hmm. they were telling me that like he would move his eyebrows when he can move his eyebrows to answer their questions, you know? So I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that I did not have trach and ventilation. It's interesting. The spectrum too of this, like how different people can be affected differently. You were saying you had to relearn feeding myself, combing Mm -hmm. my hair. And it's like things you like, you know how to do. Yeah. And yet the motor skill has to be retrained. What was that like, like on a day-to-day basis? Was it exciting to like start to get that little more progression each day? Was it really frustrating? How was that? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, I was just so determined to be able to take care of myself again because it's just something that I've I've been an independent person. I sat for 20 minutes because I didn't I didn't have the range of motion to like sit up and put my hair in a ponytail because that was that was something like we had to work on uh, the range of motion in my shoulders so it was like 10% 20% 40% until now now I can do 100%. Uh, so it's not just the motor planning it's that range of motion probably from being immobile for a while you had to work to get that back. Yeah, the, and there's three different planes that the um Guillain-Barre works in the peripheral nervous system. It's not the central nervous system. It's the peripheral. So it's the sensory, motor, and autonomic. That's why Guillain-Barre is such a, like, a broad spectrum is my understanding in how it affects people so differently in I have been very sensory affected. I, I guess is the best word to say. And yeah, I, so I sat for 20 minutes and figured out how to put the ponytail up in my hair. Yeah. And eating got easier. The more that you do it, the muscle, because I, my muscles remembered. So it was great to see those gains because my muscles remembered and remembered how to do and reconnect. Yeah. So you had kind of a big transformation when you moved to that new center, but you know, being an independent person when you, at the time when you weren't able to move, how did you keep yourself mentally strong and keep going? I just, I've always, I guess kind of my go-to is things will always get better and it could be worse. I mean, like my friend, he was on the ventilator, right? And so it could, it could have been worse and it's going to get better because I'd always, I've always already been down to the low spot. And so it will get better. Do I know how? No. But I will. I mean, yeah. I will get there because 
this is, I have a goal. I have, I want to feed myself. I did not like people shoving the toothbrush in my throat. I want to brush my teeth again by myself. Yes. um, Oh, I can imagine. It's that was kind of one of the hardest ones is like somebody else because they don't they don't know how deep or far or whatever and but yeah I just wanted to be able to brush my teeth by myself again and and I wanted to move I did not want to lay there in that bed and my my friends were my support system is fantastic uh they bought brought in um a picture of a beach and they put a beach on the ceiling oh there's that beach i could visualize myself walking on the beach and have that right there and you know so the support of many people um throughout this journey has been the biggest blessing fantastic you know I just love my people and if if I was having a bad day or or you know just even talking through it well yeah you have bad days because we all do right it's just finding the way to go okay it's just this moment that is not fun super painful not figuring out that how many days it took me to learn how to roll over and sit up and going through that whole motion of like this is so frustrating because I've rolled over and sat up for 48 years and my physical therapist Jordan he's he was great um he was in training when I was at Craig and then I just went in for an annual checkup and he was my um, outpatient PT. So it's like, oh, he's seen the whole journey of me learning how to roll over and almost be walking on my own. So. Wow. Um, he's seen you come a long ways. He's seen me come a long ways and it's good to have even the physical therapists that have been there along the way that are like, so encouraging and so come on, do it one more time. You got it. It's, and, and it truly is just doing it one more time, the, and changing the habit. I guess that's another thing that I like have learned is, well, this isn't working. My brace, my braces for my feet are probably my biggest example of this is not working for me. We need to do something different and continuing to be like not working. How can we do this differently so I can be walking? And I think we're we're almost there. So wow. I'm excited about that. So so cool. So some things I like to talk to folks about, they share their stories. You've already covered a lot of this, but I was just thinking about before the interview and looking at your website and the little previous mini chat we had. Uh, how you clearly have something known as grit or resilience and, you know, just kind of thinking about where did that come from? And you said, you've always been a pretty independent person. Um, And then kind of just your mindset, I think through all of this, like, Hey, I've already hit the low. I know it's hard right now, but I know it's going to get better. And I'm going to look at my beach up on the ceiling that my friends brought me and I'm going to focus my, 
my energy on that. And I think it's good that you, you know, it's nice to hear you acknowledging that, yes, there are those hard days because we see that all the time too, in the physical therapy clinic where I work, like the journey is never this beautiful, perfect upward trajectory that we would (laughs) like it to be. It's always very like bumpy and lumpy. It does get there, which is good. Our bodies want to heal and they know how to heal. And if you get the right support along the way, you're going to get there, but yeah, it can be really tough when you're in those little little dips along the way too. Yeah, the valleys. Um, what's that? Yeah, the valleys. The valleys. The valleys. Yeah. Yeah. Then we gotta just take the next step to go back up again, and you you have this clear vision of where you want to get, and you just keep coming back to to that vision. Yeah. And that drives you. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I want to walk again on without um, assistance. I, I'd, if my feet are have enough nerve damage that they don't, and I need to wear braces, that's okay. I am still determined to walk without assistance. I do. I believe that my feet will come back and I will wiggle my toes in the sand. I have said that from the very beginning, I will wiggle my toes in the sand. And yeah, going to the beach with Walker, people look at you pretty funny. However, I went to the beach and wiggled my toe or tug my feet in the sand because I wanted my body to just go, yeah, you're going to get there. I'm going to get there. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, so before we started our call today, I was commenting on some of the things you have in the background because I've noticed that the people that I've talked to for this podcast, there's, there's always something cool on their wall that I think speaks to the, like the theme of what we're talking about. And in your case, you have some really cool things. So right now you have some letters that form the word faith on the wall behind you with a pretty arrangement over it. And then some of your family members were in the background. The the angle of the camera was turned initially. And I saw some other things on the wall, um, like vision boards and a goal board. What -hmm. can you tell me about all of those things and how those have helped with your recovery journey? Well, vision board for me is kind of like the vision of the beach when I was laying in the hospital bed. It's I visually see where I want to go and what I want to be doing. And so having the vision board is a goal to go to Bali or to um, go to Greece. Those, you know, are some travel destinations I want to be doing or horseback riding and exercising, um, connecting with people friends, family, doing my coaching business. And I don't want to lay in bed and I don't want to be just sitting in the recliner. So what do I want to be doing? Put it up there, look at it, say the affirmations and the visions and um, so they can get checked off. Well, not even really checking off the list, but they're there. I can see them and visualize it happening and and I writing in a book and writing my book about my journey and my story. Writing it down has been very powerful, um, healing some of the more 
traumatic pieces of the journey and working through it so I'm not so negative about it. It's okay to be angry and it's okay to be frustrated about things, not holding on to it and letting it go. So those are the the parts that are have been more challenging to work through. Like uh, I was in a lift and the lift basket, I don't know what the, the, the thing that they hold you, it broke. And it was a little, I was on the facilities not maintaining the their equipment. That was one of the harder ones. And then how to talk about it without being like pointing fingers, even though, you know, there was, even though there is, it's just not being, it's not where I want to be with. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's an interesting point. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that because, okay. So there's a part of your journey that's, and I think a lot of people can identify with this. Maybe it takes different shapes, but some things happened that like justifiably you're, you have experienced some anger about some frustration or various things, emotions that are, are normal and natural. And you're finding it's important to acknowledge those things and process them. And then you feel like it doesn't serve you to hold on to them. So you're working through letting them go. Yes. Okay. Okay. And the journaling has kind of helped you through that. Journaling and yeah. And, and talking with um, my support people um, that is having that perspective, somebody else's perspective that wasn't there, that was not in that emotional state of being that, oh, you know, I depended on people to keep me safe and that, you know, did not feel safe. And so even finding the solace of they were doing the best that they could and what steps can I do that somebody else will not have to go through that situation that I did. So that's kind of um, learning to use my voice of being, Hey, it's not being rude and disrespectful. It is simply saying that what can happen from this day forward that people in the future are safe. So many things that I learned over being in the hospital for or being under someone else's care for seven months. Yeah. So you've kind of channeled that into being an advocate for patient safety as well. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a few aspects that I would like I feel so passionate about that. I, I, I don't, um, sometimes I just, how do you connect with people to be able to say, how do we change this? How do we make it safe for other people? And how mm-hmm. do we get people the support that they need? Because there's so many people I feel that, are in a situation like post paralysis or post traumatic brain injury um, or post illness that warrants them to have cares from others. And how do we facilitate 
the best for both the people that are providing cares and people that are getting cares. And yeah. it's, I mean, like, that's just so, so important for both sides because it's so stressful to you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and Absolutely. how do we get people to talk about and say, Hey, I need this. Or, you know, even if it's something as simple as I need a sweater, like some people won't even ask for a sweater if they're cold or say that their foot is in a compromising position. They just ask for what you need. It's okay. That was one thing people were always like, how do you stay so positive? How do you be so well, what good does it do me to be crabby? It doesn't do me any good to be cranky and rude or let's be kind and considerate. And this is what I need. How can you help me do this? Wow. Oh, you're amazing. <laughs> what a great perspective. And I mean, this is coming from someone who was just, I mean, you were going through so many things and for you to have that mindset and perspective, I just can't even imagine. So, wow. Super cool. Okay. So now you're offering support and encouragement to others going through difficult challenges. And it sounds like there's some budding advocacy, or maybe you are in the midst of some advocacy too, um, on the safety aspects you talked about. Um, And you do some speaking engagements with healthcare professionals um, what part of your story do you think resonates most with these people that you're talking to about your experience? I guess either the positivity uh, or um, how do I say things to people? Um, you know, like asking, I guess, asking for what I need. And I guess that's just something that I've learned over um, the course of this journey because I I used to be really um, quiet. I didn't voice my thoughts. And through this journey, how is someone going to know that my leg feels like it's going in four different directions and is so painful if I don't tell someone? <laughs> so saying... Um, and that, that was one of my experiences. And I'm like, my leg is going this way. It feels like it's going four different ways. And so my mom went and called the nurse and they come in. And they didn't know. And so they had to go get PT. And PT came in and they were like, oh, she doesn't know where you are. She is in space. So they did a few exercises for my proprioception and I went oh because it literally did feel like my leg was going in the four different ways but that's what Guillain-Barre does it distorts your where you are in space and so they did these exercises and I was like oh okay my leg is straight is perfectly fine so it was like oh so then I learned about proprioception and all of that where I am in space and oh okay yeah just six months that was like in the very beginning um but like six months ago they figured out that's what's going on with my eyes and driving and flinching every time I see a car and so I've been doing eye exercises now again 
with saying what we need, right? Like, how come I'm flinching? Like, so I'm like, okay, OT, what's up? How can we get my eyes better? And so now that's some of the other stuff that's on my wall too, is the eye exercises that I'm doing to get the connection back in my brain of like, oh yeah, this is, this is a normal thing. This you don't have to flinch every time something's going by your face. Yeah. And so, yeah, just keeping on communicating with my PTOT or, or my nursing friends, I don't flinch when stuff goes by anymore. So that's awesome. What a great win. Yeah. No matter how small it is, right. It's cause I just thought, Oh, I I'm getting older. My eyes are just, and then I was, no, there's actually something I can do. And she's like, oh, and she did tests and that was, my eyes were not doing the right thing. Yeah. So, oh, okay. I have an OT coworker. Yeah. I have an OT coworker who does vision work to help folks with similar things. And I tell her, you do the Lord's work <laughs> because it's like <laughs> so important. I mean, that that's the make or break for driving or just for, for orient, orienting yourself and your environment and being able to go to the grocery store. And really it has huge implications. So that's really cool to see you found some things to help address that issue. Too. Yeah. And, and walking too, because I was seeing like four of my feet when I was like a in the ocean, when the water comes in, your foot gets all distorted. That's what I was seeing when I was walking. And it was like, well, no wonder I'm having a hard time walking because I don't know where to put my foot. And I don't exactly. know if it's a safe place to put my foot down. And so, yeah, yeah having the vision has so tremendously helped with my walking and where I am and my balance because my balance has been so off and so I'm super grateful for all of the you know the support and the courage that having myself to say hey things still don't feel right I need I want to feel back in the fluidity of your body movements and how that goes and so you know it's another thing of what we're working on is getting the fluidity back because of all the nerve stuff that happened and what needs to still reconnect if it has been disconnected. Yeah. Takes time to do that. And you're committed to the process. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think too, as we're talking about like grit and resilience, part of that for you sounds like it's been the courage to speak up and to say, Hey, I need this. And that's helped you keep moving forward too. Yeah, just not accepting for what what I was told of um, that you're not going to fully recover. And so it is a process and I'm just not willing to give up of where I'm at. I want to, like I said, have as much fully functioning as back as possible. You want to wiggle your toes in the beach. On the I beach. want to wiggle my toes in the sand. Yes, I in the do. Sand. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, tell me about your website and how people can connect with you. 
Yeah, I just, it was just something that came out that I was wanting to support people in whatever journey that they are going through because we all need the support. Yeah, I talked about that a lot. My support has been very much a piece of my recovery of, hey, I'm there and we're going to be there, whether it's do you have needs help finding resources and um in you know daily cares or or you know OTPT that like is you know keeping with the vision thing and you need a more specialized person that you to help get even to a next level right or advocating for caregiver support because there's so many things that they do that I don't know if they get as much support and stuff that they need and people that are going through the stuff because like I've gone through that and walked that road of being ill and recovering through it and it's a journey and so we all need the support and love and absolutely and your website is click your heels which is h-e-a-l-s that I, I thought that was clever yes so it's kind of a fun spin on Wizard of Oz and the Ruby Slippers and also that healing aspect. Well, there's, I think you said it at one point too, it's kind of that magic, right? Of the healing process. One day you can't move your finger and then you can, and then you can move your finger. Right. And then you can't pick your arm up off the bed and then you can raise it above your shoulder, right? It's those little pieces of the recovery that for me is magical and um, just where I was, yeah, where I had kind of went with the click your heels because, yeah, click, click, and you're there. Well, and it's not really that simple, and it is that simple, right? Because we only make it as hard as we make it. So, And there's that aspect of like believing in the process and trusting the process. Believing and trusting in the process and, well, having faith um, for me and really just trusting. Trusting that we all can grow and learn from our experience and what can I give? So nice. I just want to be able to give back and help because so many people helped me. And it's clickyourheelscoaching.com. Yes. Cool. Thank you, Laura, so much for taking time to tell about your story. It's incredible. And like your mindset throughout, I think is just totally inspiring. enjoyed this episode of wellness wins i invite you to subscribe share with a friend and leave us a review